invite Joyce up. Come on, Joyce. Woo! <laughs> Joyce texted me this week. This, Joyce texted me this week saying, they, uh, what did you say? <laughs> oh, us two. Oh, us two. <laughs> oh, the power couple are back. Hey! <laughs> so you better watch out. Okay, I'm going to pray for my dear friend and sister. Um, Christy, get, Christy tells me off because I text. Well, he knows if he calls me, I won't answer. But if Joyce calls me, I do answer. <laughs> he said, if this is Joyce calling, you'd answer it. Um, so I just want to pray for you. I love you. Joyce is someone that hears God. Joyce is someone that literally holds on to the word every day. And in the hardest times, I know that she has stood on that rock. And um, so we just we just trust that Joyce has an anointing, that she's heard God, and we are here to, to receive that word this morning. So, Jesus, we just pray that you would fill Joyce, that you would anoint her this morning to preach to us, to teach us, to lead us to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. So I'm really, really happy to be here. And I always feel it's a privilege to be sharing God's word. It's not easy. It's a big responsibility, but it's also an honor. And, uh, and so today, as Charles introduced, we are going to start a new series. And, and this is something that uh, God has placed on the leaders' hearts. And, and so over the past few months, we are going to be talking about 2 Chronicles 7, 14. And there will be different people unpacking the different scripture scriptures. But today I will be giving a bit more of an overall because I don't want you to wait a few months to hear the ending. <laughs> so, so I'd like you to have a bit of a, of a, of a picture. So the title that, that I have chosen for today is Let's Be Revival Stirrers. And I think, you know, you know, like I like quotes, I like phrases, but I really want us to encourage each other, you know, to, to encourage us to be revival starers. This week I was making some, a stew and, you know, I had put all these lovely ingredients and, and spices and, you know, all the things that make it better. But then I just left it there to cook and then I moved away. And when I came back, Everything was like still, like things were starting to, to stick at the bottom of the pan. And I had to stir what all these lovely ingredients and, and uh, to, to make sure that we had this lovely stew. And I was thinking just this morning, like even now, like when we were sitting here, we have all the ingredients for a good revival. We have everything, but we just need to stir something. You know, we all have the good, the, the goodness that God has given us, but we just need to stir that. We have been encouraged with, with the revival in Asbury. And we've heard, some of us have heard a lot, some of, of us have, have heard little. But we have, you know, we, we, we are, in, you know, we have this desire to experience something more. Like we have a sense that there is more to, to our, our, our faith. And there is, I feel like there is like a, a, a groaning inside of us. Um, in Romans 8, we read, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And for us women, we know, forget the shout, the screaming, it's the groaning. There's a groaning that goes from inside, inside of us. And not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. 
But a hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what has for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. So I really feel like we are starting today with a sense of of hope. We want more. There is a groan in us, like uh, you know, like we want more. A few months ago, uh, and I've been going on about this for a while now, and I've you know I've shared it with with uh, Charles as well. It's like when I said, the next time I hear talk about harvest, like there is a harvest, but the workers are few, I'm going to give a scream. Because where is this harvest? You know, where are the people? And it really, really annoys me and aggravates me. But, you know, by doing this study, and, you know, Sha gave me, you know, quite a lot of time, you know, she told me last month about it. I've been thinking, and probably there is a shift that has to happen, I know, in me. And I know even these days, even this month, as I've been, um, you know, preparing and thinking and medica- meditating on these verses, something has shifted in me. So we can't see the how the harvest is there. <laughs> but let's, you know, let's encourage each other to, to stir this revival. And uh, I just want to, yeah, I just want to ask you just to pray again. <laughs> we'll just ask God. As we come to you today, Lord, please stay, stay, the, stay the goodness that you have put in us. Lord, we pray that what we hear today will really land in us, Lord. What we have to shift, what we have to move. There will be things that we say, yes, I'm really doing well in that. Now, maybe there will be something where we have to work at. And thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to us as a church, Lord. You're not speaking to us just as individuals, Lord, but as a church, as a community, Lord. So we want to accept this corporate word today in Jesus' name. Amen. So there was this little lady in a church and she was responsible for, for the offering and she had to put it in a safe. But the passcode of this safe had been changed. So she goes there and I'm sure she's disappointed and then she sees the pastor. So she calls the pastor and says, pastor, sorry, can you come and help me? Because I don't know the new passcode. So he comes, no problem. So he goes to her and then kneels on one knee and then looks up and goes, and then looks down, and then looks down, and then looks down. And then this, the, the, the safe opens, and this lady says, oh, that's amazing, you're really holy man. Like, you have to just pray, and God gives you the passcode. And this lady says, well, actually, the passcode has been stuck to the ceiling. So sometimes, like this man wasn't that holy, maybe he was, but this wasn't the case. And I think sometimes us as well, we, you know, we think we are holy, but really, you know, we are not that holy. And this was the case for the people of Israel. Now we know the story that God delivered Israel from Egypt, and then he took them to the promised land. And then in Judges, we, we have this period of 400 years, from when the people of Israel established themselves in Canaan until the time of Samuel. And that's a time of 400 years. And at this time, the people of Israel were sometimes close to God and sometimes they weren't. You know, sometimes they were following him and they were being blessed, but other times they were walking away from him and then there will be destruction. And th- what was happening was that there was this cycle, and in the, in the, in the God story, we've heard that there was like this different cycle where people repented from their sin, then there was a revival, and then people 
will start um, turning more into religion, and then they would be uh, rebelling again, and then God would judge them. And this was a cycle, and then people would actually call on to God. Okay, I, I've got it here. So th this, this type of cycle, yeah, so they repent, there's a revival, people turn to religion, you know, it's more, it's more just the words, not the real thing, and then there's rebellion and then there is judgment. And this continuous circle, and in the book of Judges, we see this cycle happen seven times. Until the people of Israel actually say, well, give us a, a king. Because if we have a king, we'll be actually be better people. We, we will be more like other people. And then they get Saul. And then we know what happens with Saul. Like he really doesn't follow God. And then we have David. And then we have Solomon. And with Solomon, we have our story where Solomon builds this incredible, huge temple. And, and in the, in chapter seven, we read about the dedication of this temple. Now, when we look at, um, revival, there's been lots of different revivals. There have been revi revivals in the Bible. Uh, it looks like Nineveh seems to have been the biggest revival where Jonah went there and then a whole city turned to God. And then in more recent history, we've had other cases of, uh, of um, revivals, but the common backdrop of all these revivals are a society that is really falling away uh, from God. There's a moral decline where people don't feel safe anymore. It's incredible how nowadays people are not feeling safe in the streets. We hear stories in our little Coringham and Stanford, and people don't feel safe. I remember when I was teaching Italian at a college in Grays, uh, I was observed by my line manager, and um, I had my lesson that she asked me to go out, and she spoke to, to these students, 12 adults. And then she reported back to me, and she said, Joyce, you know, the lesson was really good, and I'm happy to say that the students really feel safe with you. And I was like, oh, you know, I wasn't used to this type of language, like, should they feel safe? Should they feel unsafe with me? But actually, there is this concept of people not feeling safe. And then there is this, you know, the morals are, are really um, going down. There is this moral warfare. There is uh, ethnic warfare. So do we recognize these issues? It looks like when God sent a revival, the, you know, the country was going through like these big issues. Now, these are the backdrop. But when, do, when does a revival happen? When we look at the different revivals, there is something in common. So one, the church started to pray for revival. The church started to pray for revival. And it's something so important that we all do, that we ask, like we, we dare asking for, for revival. We don't have to shy away, not because we are in a small community. Uh, in my church career... <laughs> I've always been in small churches, and as soon as the church grows, I, you know, God sends me somewhere else. Even when I came to, to Coringham, it was the first time I would have come to a 300 strong people, you know, in a church, and then the mission shaped communities happen. So I always find myself in small churches. So I haven't experienced revival in that way. But God, you know, where revival has happened, we want to, um, yeah, we want to pray to have it. With the survival, the word of God becomes primary. 
the focus, the priority, you know, reading the word of God. Uh, in our house, we are challenging each other. And I, like, you know, even the girls ask me, have you read your Bible? When you live in a smallish house and you go to bed, you get up the same time as your children and go to, go to bed at the same time. They know what you're up to. And I said, mom, have you read your Bible? Amy was asking Eddie, have you read your Bible? <laughs> so we are accountable to each other. But the word has to become the priority, the focus. That's when revival happens. We need to walk in the spirit. You know, the church needs to walk in the spirit. And this is something that, you know, God is staring us. We heard two wonderful testimonies about walking in the spirit. Like um, Holly was saying, you know, God told me like to pray for this person. And there was unity with her friend because her friend encouraged her to pray for this person. The story that uh, Rob told us was incredible. It was an incredible story. And it really stirred my spirit because this is why church is so important. Church life. We are, we are not just individuals. Yeah, God loves me, but he loves us. We are a body. And uh, some of you might know that my, husband, my um, brother's wife uh, had cancer. Last year, she had, you know, she had uh, chemotherapy and she's had it for a few years. Now, she's unfortunately, with her case, hers is genetic. So her father died of the same cancer. Her sister died of the same cancer. The other sister died of the same cancer. And then she had it a few times already. And last year, she went through six months of painful um, chemotherapy. And her body is really tried. And she's like 54 years old. And she's a very strong, she used to walk a lot. So, you know, thank God, you know, that is helping. But, you know, I, for me to, now, unfortunately, she has been diagnosed with a cancer again, and she had surgery two days ago. For me, it was really hard to pray for healing because it's genetic. And it's not like I want to be negative, but I don't, I didn't have the energy or like the hope, like her family is really struggling. But Rob's testimony kind of woke me up and you know, Rob prayed outside a co-op for someone to be healed. Why can't I pray with more faith for my, for my sister-in-law? And I sent this uh, video to to my brother. And I just encourage you, and I say like this, just want you to, to see, you know, you know, Rob. And I said, just watch this. You know, this has really encouraged me to pray more, you know, for, for your wife. So, you know, we, we, we will see the revival um, when we walk in the spirit. We, we, it's important to have this great conviction from sin. Uh, sin is a word that we are not using a lot nowadays. We, we tend to like show, yeah, loving Jesus and Jesus loves us. <laughs> but, you know, we, we don't talk about it anymore. But it's important that we mention sin and that we are sorry, but not just sorry, that we turn away from our sin. It's important. We all sin, you know, we all every day, you know, there's big sins that, you know, they are the biggest and they are the small ones. But for God, they are all the same. But we need to really repent and turn away. We need to give glory to God. Give all, all the glory. No matter what. No matter what is going on. Um, and worship. Worship is so important. Today we had a little taste of it. Um, this week, or these weeks, <laughs> I've been going through like, I was tormented with, with you know, with some thoughts, with some struggles. And, uh, and you know, when you think and think of, of, of stuff, the last thing you do is worship. You know, you just, I was just thinking of myself and myself and playing back stuff. And, uh, 
But God really spoke to me and said, no matter what struggle you are going through, do you love me enough to get up and worship me? No matter what we're going through, you know, are we ready to get up and worship God one, once more? And this is when, and I know that, that woke me up. I know my girls, they know me inside out. <laughs> And then, Mama, you okay? Mama, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just something. You know, because you, you just go, you know, it's in battle with your mind. But when God spoke to me that, I woke up from this pain, you know. And worship is so important. Revival is about waking up. Waking up. Now, Solomon, we are going back to, we are going back to our scripture. Now, Solomon was very aware that when people turn to God, things change. And all over the Bible, we see this. People are, you know, are remembering the past, remembering the miracles of God. And in chapter 6, we have, uh, you know, if you go and, and read the whole chapter, we see how uh, Solomon is praying for, for his people. And he's actually saying the same things that are on this verse. And the last verse... Um, I will go to this verse. Remember the great love promised to David, your servant. He knows that when, you know, that God is faithful, that God go back on his word, that God forgives us and he can give us a new, new life. Now, this word, so I will read it because uh, I think I'm, I'm assuming everybody knows it, but I should, I should really be reading it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will hear their land. Now, Solomon had prayed these words before, like we see it in the chapter before. And now that the temple has been dedicated in chapter 7, and we get to this point where the dedication has finished, but then uh, Solomon goes to bed and then God, he gets a vision from God, and this is what God speaks to him. Now, we know uh, it's important that we take things in context. Now, I have given you a little bit of, of a quick, quick history, uh, you know, coming up to this point. We know that the Bible wasn't necessarily written to us, but it was written for us. This is what we learn in, in the Word. So the audience would have been different from what it is now. But what we know is that the principle that God gives us are the same. And there are principles that work. And this is why we are working, you know, we, are, we want to learn about this, this uh, scripture. Now, another difference is if, if my people who are called by my name. Now, at the time, God was referring to the people of Israel. Now, the people of Israel were a the theocratic kingdom. So, like, God was, you know, the, the ruler of, uh, you know, both, like, as... Yeah, he, he was just the ruling in every sense. Uh, while for now, uh, we are talking, my people are the church, the church of God, the people who are saved, the people that he has called, and they are spiritual. Okay, so it's a spiritual kingdom. So this is like a little, a little difference. But God is talking now to us. So he's not talking to people who are like with one foot in and one foot out. He's speaking to people who are actually saved that they have made a commitment. Um, in my, you know, in my, as I said, in my spiritual career, 
in my church career, I've, you know, speaking to about Jesus to so many people, um, so many people, I remember in Italy especially, would say that they believe in God. You know, they say, I believe in God. But they wouldn't know a thing about God. Nothing, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Not a story from the Bible. No, nothing. Not a verse. Nothing. And so we always stress, what does believe mean? You know, believe is, is like you're totally sold out for Jesus. You, you, you follow him. You listen to him. Like you are his. Okay, so these are the people that God is speaking to. So God is speaking to us as a church today. And he's giving an if. And if my people who are called by my name will have. And there is a series of, of, uh, of things uh, that we need to put into place. Now, um, what I'm going to do now is something a bit different from the usual. So I'm going to use reverse psychology. <laughs> Okay, so um, just that you know that other people will be unpacking these verses more. Okay, so shall don't worry about it. <laughs> this is what has blessed me when I, when I was preparing. Now I know that when we want change, things have to be done differently, don't we? You know, th there's no way. If we want a marriage to work better, we can't just do the same things. We have to change. If we want parenting. To, to be more functional, we have to change something. You know, if I if I want to be a good director of proximity schools, I need to change something. <laughs> we need to do something, okay, to change because otherwise things will just stay the same, okay. So, um, what I notice though that sometimes even when I hear something, like it still doesn't land. You know, it's like Joyce, pray more, uh, read your Bible more. You know, be humble. Like sometimes some of these things don't don't land. Like I need another way of being told this. So the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to go through these verses, but saying the opposite. Okay. So my question is this. Sorry. We are going to see not how to get revival, but how to stop a revival. Okay, so I hope this will be memorable, <laughs> but God has been using this for me, like it has, for me, it has been working. So I'm, I'm on a journey. So four ways to stop a revival. Oh no. Okay, pride. So pride is the first enemy to revival. Now the word says, if you humble yourself, you know, if my people will humble themselves, okay. So I don't say to humble, don't humble, but be proud, okay? That way you won't see the revival. You won't see the revival of God. What does it mean to be proud? It means that I think, I think I know better than God. You know, I think if God is saying to me, you know, like, Joyce, don't do that, or read, read my word more, you know, or spend time with me, you know, I can say, well, you know, it, it is good, but actually it doesn't work out in my day. You know, I don't really have the time. Or if God, you know, wants me to invite someone around, he's like, yes, no, it's good. It's a good idea. But actually, you know, at the end, then I won't have time for my family. You know, like you find certain excuses in order like, to, to show that you know better than God. We don't listen to his instructions. We don't follow his word. Uh, it's incredible how much the word teaches us. I, I work in mental health, like with our school, and I've been doing different trainings, and my mind blows away every time I do something like that because I see how much God knows us, 
already. You know, he knows what we need and what we learn in psychology, you know, all these things that we need, we need to know, they're all in the Bible. You know, they, they are incredible. But if we don't want revival, let's not read the Bible. Let's not read the instructions and, uh, and then we'll be doing good. Not saying yes to God. You know, like we pray so many times, God, use me from your glory. We, we, we heard uh, Brian Heasley recently. That really encouraged me so much. We said, God, use me. You know, help me. Use me in my town. Use me in my school. But then something happens and we don't want to do it. But if we want to, to fail this revival, if we want to stop it, let, let's not say yes. Yeah, yeah. let's pray. Yes, God, use me. But then when the moment comes, when your neighbor needs a prayer, just you know, just let's leave it. And then not accepting God's will. Yeah, not accepting God's will. You know, we, we pray so many times, you know, in Jesus' name or God, what you want to do. But then when his will comes, you know, it, it gets hard. But, you know, if we want to stop this revival, just let's be proud. Let's be, let's just think that we know better than God. Prayerlessness. You know, the word says pray. Yesterday, you know, we, we got a message late on the prayer group, and these words were in my head, you know, and you know, like the reverse psychology, don't pray. You know, Rob sent a message, pray for, for Jim. And I was like, don't pray. Like I was trying it out, and immediately I prayed, you know. If we don't want to see God's move, let's not pray. Because when you pray, people remind you of people. God reminds you of people. You know, God reminds you to make a phone call. God reminds you to go or tells you to go to a shop, you know, or prepares your heart for something. Um, I heard someone say, uh, praying to God is like putting brakes on your feet. Because as soon as you pray for your neighbors, you truly pray for them, you meet them outside. And then you actually, because you just prayed, you stop and you talk. And I find those words, it's not in a, in a Bible, it's not a verse from the Bible, but it's so true. When you pray for people, God puts breaks. You know, like you're not, oh yeah, fine, fine, thank you, and go. Like you're so interested. God changes you. But if we don't want that to happen, let's not pray. If we don't want to pray for the Red Sea to open, let's not pray for a Red Sea. You know, if we don't want to walk around Jericho, let's not pray for Jericho. You know, it is challenging. So many times we are asking God for big things. You know, the classic is God give me patience. And then God gives you a situation where you have to find patience. Like, it is hard to pray for these things. But if we don't want revival, let's not pray. Let's not respond to the prayer request. Priorities. The word says, if my people seek my face, seek my face, priorities. What is the first thing you think in the morning? What is the last thing you think at night? I remember when I, I, I was always list, uh, reading the word for today on my phone. As soon as I typed W, it would come out word for today. Because I was always going on the word for today every morning. Then this fantastic app called Wordle <laughs> came to pass. And so my first thing in the morning was like having my coffee was let's do Wordle. And then we would talk about it at work and, and everything. And then I realized that every time I pressed W, it wasn't the word for today, but it was Wordle. 
And that really challenged me. Wordle is fantastic. You know, it's awesome. But, you know, this is a, a little example. Now, what was my priority? You know, first is Wordle, you know, and then maybe there are other things. What are the things, the first things in, in, our, in our thoughts? What fills our mind? Um, with um, I am, I don't think I am a warrior. I don't think I am a warrior, but I think a lot. <laughs> I have a lot of faith. I feel, I think I have faith. I think I really like encourage people to have faith. I, and I think I am a woman of faith. I want to say that I'm a woman of faith. However, you know, sometimes if there is an issue, I will go and, and replay it, replay it, replay it. And, and sometimes if I, you know, something bad has happened, I replay it. And sometimes I, I start having a conversation, what I could have said, or maybe the other person says, or, and what I find is that when I do that, it really stirs something bad in me. Like it really winds me up. You know, it doesn't take me anywhere. And when I, when I become, when I start leading proximity schools, there were sometimes where things were difficult. Uh, Charles hadn't warned me. <laughs> I had to forgive her privately about it. So, and I would think about stuff. You know, it's not like every every single day, but there were some challenges and I would think about and go to bed and then think about those things. And I remember once Amy said to me, you know, mom, I really love lecture evening. And uh, do you listen to it? And I said, no, actually, I always read the the morning morning one. I mean, not every day, but uh, most uh, most days, but not the evening. I, and I haven't got into that routine. And so uh, she said, oh, it's really good. And then she was listening. She listens to it. And then she gets Katie to listen to it. They go to bed and have this, <laughs> this moment. And I thought, you know, I got that. And I said, yes, I'm going to listen to that. And uh, I remember putting the um, headphones in and then AD said to me, Joyce, just relax now, just sleep. And I said, no, no, it, it's Lectio. You know, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't listening to some workshop or mental health workshop or something. It was just the word of God, just letting me go. Because we forget, you know, like, you know, sometimes we have a discipline of praying in the evening or whatever the, our discipline are. But I was losing that discipline of praying before going to bed. And so I would be in bed thinking of work, thinking of different things. And, and uh, yeah, so my last thing, thought, wasn't any more God, but it was, you know, how to deal with a certain problem. But if I don't want revival, if I don't want to be well in my spirit, just think of other things. Think of work, think of issues, think of problems, think of your past. You know, think of these things. Now, what I said here, of course, it's an, it's an approach that is like, it's a bit like a, can you say provocation, provocative, you know, just to, to get our thoughts thinking. So we said, <coughs> ah, yeah, sorry, I forgot, there's, there's one more, sorry. Presumptions, sorry, I forgot, there's, there's a third one. So, so far we've got pride, you know, is one enemy of revival. Prayerlessness, another enemy. Priorities, another enemy. And then presumption. And presumption is what is the opposite of turn away from the wicked ways. Now, as Christians, unfortunately, we, we still, you know, do wrong. And the thing of, of preaching in front of my family is that I can't lie <laughs> because they, they are here. But we do wrong. Okay, we do wrong. And But sometimes we can say, oh, it's fine. I mean, God forgives us. Oh, yeah, sorry, God, and that's it. No, it's more than that. 
You know, it, it's more than just saying, God, I'm sorry. It's just like turning away. Stop doing that. Truly, truly repenting us, repenting from this. So, how do we become revival stirrers? This is, this is what we need to become. So we, we see what God is asking us. You know, he's asking us to be humble. He's asking us to, to pray. He's asking us to seek his face. And he's asking us to turn away. And I think if you want to try this rather psychology, <laughs> try and then let me know how it works. But it is, we have to find a way. Like we are not happy with the things how they are. We are doing, I think we are doing really well with lovely testimonies and great stuff. But I think there is a sense of that uh, something's missing. Like there's more rather than missing. There's something more. So uh, this is, this is going to be my, my final, my final point. How do we become revival stirrers? How do we become people that, that really, um, change the world or influence other people? How, can we become people that, that draw others to Christ? At the end of the day, revival is that, is to bring the sinners to, to salvation. So what's a better example that we have than Jesus? Jesus himself, okay? Jesus is the best example to follow because he's gone through it and there's nothing that he asks us that we cannot do. Now, this uh, story is taken from Mark 1, 21 and 22, and there are a few verses below. So they went to Capernaum. So that's Jesus and Andrew, uh, Simon, Peter, John, and James. Uh, they were his first disciples. So we are at the beginning here. And they, when Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Now, the first thing we're going to look at in this verse is they went into Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Now, the first thing that we need is, now if you want a revival, is supernatural ability. Now, Jesus, we know, was God. You know, Jesus knew how to speak. and knew, But this was still a supernatural work of God. Now, he... You know, he, he was trained to teach, but he wasn't necessarily the top of, of the, you know, of, of the teachers. But he went into this place for the first time and, you know, he went to the synagogue and out of the blue, he started teaching. Now he filled a gap. And I think for us as people of God, as a church of God, sometimes God will ask us to, to fill in the gap. Sometimes, Sometimes there will be moments where we don't have maybe the ability or the skill or the talent, but we can still, we can still uh, do what God is asking us to do. I remember when years ago, sorry, I'm moving this microphone too much. When uh, Charles was uh, leading uh, proximity schools, she would go to like di difficult meetings and, and she would put her glasses on, you know. <laughs> That was a way to show that she had authority. And when I took her place, I said to her, what am I going to do? I've already got glasses. <laughs> you know, what's my step? And then, you know, Eddie wants to remember, remind him, he said, Joyce, remember that you talk to the king of kings every day. So you can talk to the mayor. You can talk to the CEO. You can talk to the head teachers. And everywhere I go now, I always go, you know, 
I talk to the king of kings, you know, I can do this, you know, and God is not there to judge me. And he's God. I mean, he's a creator. He could judge me. He could destroy me. He could be embarrassed. But he's actually choosing to use me, taking the risk. You know, as if I say to Amy, Amy, come here and, and, you know, like share, you know, he's like, no, no, we have to prepare her. We have to teach her, you know, but God takes this risk in using us. But we are, the, you know, we, we serve this king of kings. And he gives us the ability. He gives us the ability, like this supernatural ability. So if we want revival, we have to remember that it's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, we can't wait to have all the ability to be the best preachers, to be the best prophets, you know, to be the best pastors, to, to actually, you know, do, do God's work. So God, Jesus had this ability to fit in in this place. Um, if Something that I think is really important is that sometimes we can let fear take us away from the task. Because maybe we have a task that God is giving us, but then we say, no, it's too hard. You know, I'm not doing it. And, and sometimes the fear is true. When we gave you the example of the assembly, you know, not only do we have 280 students or 250 students, we also have all the teachers. And teachers who teach English, who teach everything, and who know, and they know that we are good in the school. And, but it's different to, to speak, you know, when, when you have your little group. And sometimes you, you fear, you know, you fear that, you know, you're going to put your foot in it, and then they will say, well, they're not that good, really, you know, what they say. You know, like these thoughts can come. You know, and, you know, like, you know, are we speaking, you know, are we representing proximity church? Well, these fears can come, but we have to stop them, you know, and, you know, with, with, the, with the team, we haven't, I really, I can say boldly, um, that we, we haven't allowed fear to stop us. You know, we do admit that our knees are shaking and we are scared, <laughs> but we are not going to speak negativity. You know, we say, God has called us, you know, he will stop us, you know, if he knows that we are going to, um, make a mess of this it will stop us like we we have to walk by faith um so let's seek supernatural ability the next is let's seek supernatural authority jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority not as the teachers of the law what Jesus was saying wouldn't have been much different from what the other guys were saying, you know, the, um, you know, the teachers of the law, you know, the other rabbis or whoever, you know, whatever role they had. He would have said the same things, but there was something special about them. And this is what we want when we want to say revival. We want to have authority uh, when we talk. And, you know, before I said to you, sometimes God calls us to do something that's hard, that's out of our comfort zone. And we don't have the skills, but he equips us, and we do it. Other times, we might be good at something. We need to have God's authority in, in, what, we, in what we do. And I remember, I bring Charles since Charles is back. <laughs> Another example with Charles. I remember talking about, you know, marriage with Charles, when Charles was just like a few years married. But she had an authority. It didn't matter that she didn't have all the experience, you know, in this world. But because she carries the presence of Jesus, I could talk about, about things. I remember when I was a teenager, 
I loved parenting already, and I used to read all these parenting books. And so I remember like there was a lady in church, and she really struggled feeding her baby. She would go up and down the lift, like four floors, with a bowl, and she would try and feed this baby up and down. Or she would close the nose of the ball of the baby and then feed the baby. And so I remember I was like 15 and I said, you know, I read a book, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it's really good on, you know, how to handle. And they were saying about this, about feeding. But I don't know, at the time, and I say this with a humble spirit because I want to encourage the young people as well. She listened to me, you know, I was 15 with no children. She didn't say, oh, here comes another teacher, you know, you don't know what you experience that when you grow up. It's the authority that God gives to us, you know, to speak and to make change. So we, you know, let's seek for God's authority in everything we do. And uh, my my last um, my last point is this one: supernatural priority. We touched on priorities before. Um, when we when when we're speaking about what not to do very early in the morning while it was still dark jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed simon and his where he prayed simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him they exclaimed everyone is looking for you jesus replied let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so i can preach there also that is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. Now, if we want revival, we need to understand what our priorities are. Now, before I mentioned the priority about, it was in comparison with the uh, seek my face, you know, so what is the first thought you have in the morning? What's the last one? You know, where do you put God in, in all your to-do list and list of interests uh, before or after Netflix, you know, that kind of thing. This one is more about what God calls us to do. Now, it's more about what's the, what's the right thing to do now? What's God's plan for today? Now, I come from a culture where you always say yes. And uh, I grew up in a church where you just kept doing stuff and kept doing stuff. And you never say no if you're asked to do something. You just get up earlier and earlier and earlier. And, and that's been my mantra, you know. I, you just get up earlier, you know. And when I came to England, like, I made the mistake of comparing myself with, with young people, you know, even people in, in, in ministry, like young people. And, you know, it's like, how can they say no? You know, you just say yes. You just do it. But now I've repented from that. And I realized that like, you have to understand what God wants you to do. And, and sometimes you have to say no. I like Jesus here. He said no. He said no to see some people. And, you know, you could say that sounds cruel. Like there are people who want to see you and, and you say no. Everyone is looking for you. And he says, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. But I had to learn to say no. You know, even if I want to save the world or if, you know, if I've got that <laughs> syndrome of saving the world. But there are moments where, where you actually have to say no. And then we will hear from God, you know, what are the things that we want to do. So um, we have come, we have come to the end. I hope this has helped, has helped. I would like us to to encourage each other to to, to be stirs of revivals. I am a firm believer like even sending a message saying remember you know be a revival stirrer and 
while I, while I was preparing, I don't know if it's if we can do it now, but I had this picture of us receiving this word. Uh, my family has got this holy tradition that after church, while we were, were driving home, um, we, 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 we make comments on the sermon, you know, on the, on the talk. And so we say what we liked. Uh, sometimes also we say nothing landed. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, you know, if you don't, or like the girls say, oh, it was difficult, or I say, yeah, no, it was good. But we are honest about, you know, we say what God spoke to us. And usually, like most of the time, 99%, you know, we all share different things. With this word, I felt like it's not just, you know, Amy saying, oh, God said this to me, or Debbie saying this, or Quark saying, oh, God spoke to me. I really have a sense that God is speaking to all of us together. And I was imagining us, like, linking arms together. And there is in... Um, if I go back, sorry, just quickly. If we go back to uh, Chronicles 7 at the beginning, when uh, Solomon finished praying, Michelle read that before, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple. They knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord. And the king, and, uh, and saying he is good, his love endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices uh, before the Lord. And this is the first word that God gave me when I started preparing. That this is a corporate word. You know, it, it, revival doesn't come on your own. You know, we can't, you know, even if we have a new person, we're not able to have chit-chat with them and and talk about our test testimony and give them a lift and uh, baptize. Like, we need the body. We need, you know, we, it's something that we do corporately. So I just want to, yeah, invite Charles maybe to come. I don't think we can respond to God. Amazing. Thank you. Can we all stand? What I want us to do is we won't, we won't have worship, but what I, I want us to get in a big circle. So can we get in a big circle and hold hands? A big circle and hold hands. Let's respond to what Joyce is hearing in the spirit. Kids, babies, oldies, in-betweenies. So we're going to say together, he is good. His love endures forever. Can we say it just for practice? He is good. His love endures forever. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped and gave thanks to the to Lord, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. And again, He is good. His love endures forever. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven 
and will forgive their sins and will store their land. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, you are his people, you are called by his name, will you humble yourself? Will you pray? Will you seek his face? Will you turn from your wicked ways? Because if you do, then he will hear from heaven, forgive your sins and restore the land. Amen. Amen. Amen.